When I first suggested the idea of a COVID Sunday to mark the anniversary of the shutdown, I got some strange looks, but as I've been watching my Facebook feed this past week, it's clear to me that lots of people have stories and lots of people want to share their experiences and reflections about this time. So that's what we're going to do uh, this morning. And we're going to do that in light of the fact that we are people of God, that as Romans 8.28 says, everything that happens to us happens for our good, even pandemics. A number of you have written to me. I'm going to read uh, some of these testimonies to you now. I lost my very dear friend to COVID on February 15th. I never had a chance to speak with her, and I really miss her. God has shown me the value of family and friends and taught me to love them with all my heart along with my church family and to appreciate them. I've learned to be patient when I have to stay at home that's a challenge because I'm always on the go, so it's difficult for me. It's kind of like the praying hands. I ask God, and I'm still asking Him to help me accept the things that I cannot change and to change the things that I can. One thing that came to mind is something I heard a lady on Christian radio share when she was going through trials. She said, Hooray! This is exciting! Another chance to trust God more. I also love what Spurgeon says. Man's extremity is God's opportunity. In my own journey, I'm grateful for God's loving watch care in allowing me to continue to help various disabled widows during this last year. I wanted to mention that one of my life rock verses, Job 23.10 says, But he knoweth the way that I take. When he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. And the concept that I heard someone say, I totally forget who it was, that you can trust the man who died for you. I'm grateful that I was able to stay safely home. I'm grateful for those who carried on, the police, the firemen, the medical communities, teachers, pastors, and many more. Home has been good. There has been time to pray, to talk to friends on the phone, time to be grateful for what I had, knowing that many others didn't. It has also been a time for me to heal, for which I am grateful. Twenty twenty was one of the hardest years of my life. There were times when I didn't know if I could survive it emotionally and in terms of psychic energy. When you asked us to consider blessings that arose, it took some consideration and prayer before my eyes finally opened to just how great God's kindness and mercy have been. Now my mind is actually flooding with realizations, but I will just select a few. My sons, all three of them, 
who are so loving and supportive and had the knack of noticing when I desperately needed to be rescued in one way or another and acting on it. What great human beings we have raised. The worship band, once it could restart, was a huge blessing to me, playing weekly with my friends, goofing around, laughing, worshiping. And the sheer pleasure of making music together at practice and in the service, for me, this was life with a capital L. Band members were some of the only people I hung out with in person, and that has made the fellowship twice as sweet. As a result of the pandemic, I can have weekly Zoom prayer meetings with Sherry and Barry Hofstetter. I can't even describe what a wonderful time this is. Jesus made a promise about his presence when two or three are gathered in his name. And he is keeping that promise. As a result, I feel much closer to the congregation than I ever did before. Even though we are mostly physically distant, God has been knitting into my heart each one for whom we pray so carefully and the mission of the church as a whole. Mercy and truth shall meet, righteousness and peace shall kiss one another, is what we read in Psalm 85.10. I think human society, the world over, has been in reckoning over mercy and truth, righteousness and peace, how to define them, how to enact them. The pandemic has shown a spotlight of need on those, on these divine attributes which every human knows intrinsically are good and right and much to be desired for oneself, but has had trouble extending to others. As much as I have cried over the suffering caused by their absence, I am grateful indeed at the new insistence everywhere that we work hard to find them. Of course, only in Christ can we succeed, and that should propel the church into mission with great urgency. It's a wave we need to catch. Dan, thank you for the opportunity to articulate these things. As crushingly difficult and sad as the pandemic year has been for us in the world, realizing God's goodness and blessing in the midst of it all fills my heart with gratitude. It has been a very difficult year in many ways. Not being able to attend Sunday services, not being able to visit with family and friends and giving hugs. However, God has been with me and has given me patience in dealing with these issues that at times seem difficult to deal with. I am very thankful and blessed to have my Lord and Savior at my side. All things shall perish from under the sky. Music alone shall live. Music alone shall live. Music alone shall live, never to die. Music is given by our Creator to Jubal, the father of all those who play the harp and the flute. Like David, who would take a harp and play it with his hand, then Saul would become refreshed and well, and the distressing spirit would depart from him. In the night watches, I could often hear myself singing in my head old scout songs or this hymn with a repeat. 
Be still and know that I am God. I am the Lord that healeth thee. In thee, O Lord, I put my trust. Paul admonishes those who trust in their Savior to be diligent. Take heed of yourself, he says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear. So, sing a new song. He is not far from each of us. Do not neglect the gift in you. I lift my hands and heart to you. And they sang a new song. In the midst of the COVID-19 and all the troubles and heartbreaks it has wrought, we have been truly blessed by God throughout the year. After a long and hard-fought struggle, God granted victory in Jordan's disability case. In the midst of the case, the church came alongside of us and provided for us spiritually and financially to keep our heads above water until the case was won. Throughout the year, there have been other health struggles as well. While Crystal was in hospital, the Bramers cared for and loved Karina and Daphne. Their willingness to provide a home for them while Crystal was sick kept the girls from entering foster care. And to top it all off, Crystal's health was restored, making our family whole again. God has been good to us in innumerable ways. We thank Him and His church for their love and generosity throughout a most challenging year. Praise to the Almighty God. Amen. What came out of the COVID lockdown? John was laid off nine months from April to July. Life got to slow down. We were just barely hanging on with all the activities for the kids and all of the busyness of work. It's as if God said, you need a break. Here you go. During this time, Laura was able to provide, to work, to provide for the family through the pandemic. While John was able to complete some of Jay's projects around the church on Laura's days off to help support the family. John was able to spend time learning how to play bass. The band was able to grow closer and create a core group of people due to the limited number of people allowed to play. We were able to add some new people into the mix too when things started to open up again. We have learned to appreciate family time. And we have grown closer together as a family. The kids now rely on each other to play and to help each other to learn new things. John learned how horrible the owner of the company he was working for was and was able to look for a new job. After John accepted this new job, Laura was able to take a step back from hers due to COVID burnout, which became a big issue. God is now allowing Laura to restore her mind and her empathy. John learned the importance of small groups to stay connected and accountable to other men of faith. While he always attended Stogie Society, he started attending the men's breakfast as well. While this may seem like a recap of the major events of last year, God was faithful to our family. We did not get sick. He provided for every need. 
One thing that came to mind is something I heard. Oh, I think I already read that one. I did read that one. Okay. Great stories. I hope I didn't forget anybody. Somebody sent me. Did anybody send me something that I didn't read? Oh, good. That'd be very embarrassing. All right. Uh, our second reading this morning is Psalm uh, 91. Hear the word of God. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. He will say to the Lord, You are my refuge and my fortress, and my God in whom I trust. For the Lord will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and a buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked, because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High, who is my refuge. No evil shall be allowed to befall you. No plague come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. In their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the adder, the young lion and the serpent. You will trample underfoot. Because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him, says the Lord. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you for this uh, day, this opportunity to step aside from the busyness of life and to gather with your people and to gather around your word to sing your praises and offer our prayers to you. Lord Jesus, we ask that you would be present here in our midst as you've promised. And I pray that you would send us your Holy Spirit so that your scriptures might speak to us this day. Amen. So this Sunday we are taking uh, a break from our sermon series through the Acts of the Apostles. And we pause to reflect on this past year, this year of living in a pandemic, this year of plague and pestilence, if you prefer biblical language. We're of course not done with the COVID yet. For sure there are uh, signs of hope. We're no longer in a total panic. We've gotten into a routine, but we're not yet in the clear and danger still lurks. Life is still frustrated. We're a long way from our old normal. Last week, a batch of, or maybe it was the week before last, we had a batch of kids who had to be sent home from Valley Christian School because of a COVID exposure. One of our church families has been in quarantine these last couple of weeks. My father, who is 93, living in a nursing facility in Florida, has come down with the COVID. Nursing homes are full of COVID. Some of us have been vaccinated. Others are still scrambling to find a shot. It's been a long and strange year. We've been through a lot of things. So many of our routines have changed. So many things we've had to get used to. 
I remember the panic at the beginning. My wife, who has an inside track on official information from the state, called me at work and told me to immediately grab our daughter Mia from uh, school. She attends Valley Christian School here and to go to the grocery store. The governor was going to shut down the schools for two weeks and we knew that panic buying would begin. And so I grabbed Mia from Valley Christian School before the final bell and we raced off to the giant, which was not yet swamped, and we immediately bought 500 rolls of toilet paper. Not really, but we did buy two weeks worth of food, which is something we never do. We go to the grocery store every day and we bought lots and lots of chocolate in case things got really bad. And then the siege began. The first Sunday after the closing of the schools, you might remember, we had a combined service. The state hadn't said anything, but the president had asked for no groups larger than 50. And about 45 people came out that day. Already people were afraid. And here's the amazing thing. That Sunday, we actually did a baptism and a wedding in the service. Hillary Folkman was baptized, and then Hillary married Jason Fry right, right down here on the first COVID Sunday. The following week, we were told no more than 10 people were allowed to gather in a building. And so we closed the church to the public and we began to stream the services over the internet. We all know how to do that now. But you have to remember that we had to learn. Well, actually, Stephen Clark and John Haynes had to learn. And we had to learn quickly how to make that happen. And the technology that we needed was hard to find because everyone else was scrambling to buy the same equipment. And then each Sunday for eight weeks, ten intrepid souls gathered here in the sanctuary to produce a worship service in an empty room for a congregation that we hoped was watching online. It was hard and it was strange. One of the most encouraging things during those early days were the people who gathered in the parking lot during the services. Service would be happening in here. People would be in the parking lot. They were watching on their iPhones. They were listening on the radio. They just wanted to be near the church, even if they couldn't be inside. They just wanted to see each other across the parking lot. Ten weeks after the crisis began... The new rule was that we could have 25 people in the building at a time, and so we relaunched both services, two small services, but at least those who were able to come could come. From the very beginning, the session has been committed to being as open as possible to as many as possible. Many other churches have taken a more cautious path. Many churches are still closed. But we decided that having the church open was important. That pastoral ministry is hands-on work and that worship and fellowship are essential to human life. Yes, we knew that there would be risks involved. Of course, it is safer to stay at home. But we also knew that it was important to gather as the body of Christ. We also knew that it was important to have me going out making pastoral calls on the homebound, on people in hospitals and nursing homes. So that's what we did. Session instituted policies 
to keep us as safe as possible while keeping the doors open. You might remember in the early days, masks were impossible to find. And those of us who did find them found them really annoying and hard to get used to. I remember the first time I wore one of these medical masks. One of our members was in the hospital. I needed to go see her and pray with her, but I had no mask. And there were no masks to be bought. There was no order that you had to wear them, but it was prudent. And so Elder Karen near Jesse, who's a nurse practitioner, brought me one and explained to me how to use the thing. And she gave me all the rules about hand sanitizing. It also seems so long ago now. These days, we are so used to the mask that my 11-year-old daughter wears them when she doesn't need to. And yet, while we are used to so much of life under COVID, still our life as a congregation remains interrupted and stunted. We only see a third or a half of our normal congregation on a given Sunday. Many of our people... People who were in church every Sunday of their lives haven't been to church in a year. For many, of course, they're joining online, but online and in person are just not the same thing. And that has made all of us suffer. Those who are here and those who are still at home, we miss each other. We miss the conversations and the encouragement, encouragements. We miss the handshakes and Charlene Crawford's hugs. We miss the sound of the sanctuary ringing with voices singing God's praises. We miss children running around the building and making noise. There's a lot that we have lost during this time of pestilence. I thank God that in spite of all of this, that none of us have been seriously ill or none of us has died from the disease. But all of us have suffered isolation, dislocation, loneliness, depression during this time. Some of us have lost work. Some of us have lost income. Half of Americans are poorer today than they were one year ago. One in five Americans knows someone who died from COVID. Some of us have lost loved ones and family members. All of us have lost peace of mind. It has been hard. Which is why it is good that we have a God who is with us, not only when times are sweet, not only when we can gather together, but also when times are hard. When we're scattered and separated. The psalmist writes, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. He will say to the Lord, You are my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. David writes as a soldier, as a general, accustomed to being with Thousands of comrades in arms. He writes as a king knowing what it's like to have enemies coming to look for his life. At times, when the fighting is fierce and the enemy is overwhelming, the smart move for the king is to withdraw from his forces 
into a fortress. To retreat for a while into the security of a high tower. In chess, they call that move castling. Even Martin Luther, who was fearless in the face of opposition and death threats, even Martin Luther spent a year hiding in the safety of the Wartburg Castle under the protection of Frederick III. Because of his religious agitation, Luther was declared an outlaw by the Roman Catholic Diet of Worms, and that meant that anyone could kill Luther without fear of retribution or prosecution. And so Prince Frederick staged a kidnapping of Luther and whisked him away. Luther's enemies had thought that he was dead. But there in the safety of that castle, Luther began to translate the Bible into the language of the common people. And the church has never been the same since. There are times, hard times, when we retreat into the shelter of the Most High, into the fortress of God Himself for protection, to gather our strength, to prepare us for the battles and the victories that lie ahead. The Lord will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and a buckler. You will not fear the terror of night nor the arrow that flies by day nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness. That is God's promise to those who run to him for protection. That's God's promise to his people. God's faithfulness is our shield and buckler, which is a comfort. Not that the Christian life is a life of ease or comfort. Quite the opposite. The Christian life is a life of engagement and action. It's a life of building and growth and expansion and conquest. But there are times when we simply pull back into God and catch our breath to escape the pestilence, to rest a bit. In the 23rd Psalm, so familiar to all of us, we have the image of God as our shepherd who protects us from wild animals, who leads us through dangerous valleys, who provides us safe pastures and calm waters, who prepares a banquet for us, a banquet that our enemies are going to have to watch us eat. We're going to be seated at the head table with King Jesus and we're going to eat the finest foods and we're going to be drinking the best wines and the haters will have empty plates and be forced to watch us while we celebrate. In Matthew 10, Jesus, who is the good shepherd, says to his followers, I am sending you out as sheep among the wolves. Being a Christian is an inherently dangerous business. Of course, our eternity is secure. Of course, God's love for us never wavers. But we live as sheep in the midst of wolves. We live as lights in a darkened world. And we are called to put our lives, and I don't mean that metaphorically, We are called to put our lives and our honor and our treasure at risk because of the kingdom of God. Following Jesus 
costs something. It isn't easy. It is inherently dangerous. But please understand this. While we move and act in a dangerous world, in a world filled with wolves, we as followers of Christ are not called to be like the wolves around us. As followers of Christ, we are sheep. Our security is not in our fangs. Our security is in our shepherd. His rod and his staff will protect us. We don't need weapons of our own. Which brings us to our reading from Colossians. Paul's exhortation is to a church living among wolves. Paul's no fool, of course. He knows the world is dangerous. But as followers of Christ, we're called to a different way of life, a dangerous way of life, a higher way of life. On the surface, it might seem the Christian way of life would be a disaster, a strategic failure. But in fact, as history has proven over the centuries, when the church acts as the church is supposed to act, when Christians behave the way Christians are supposed to behave, we move from victory to victory. Not in our own power, but in the power of Christ. Listen to what Paul says. This is from verses 12 and 13 from chapter 3. As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, put on compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another. Now notice where Paul begins. Paul begins with with who we are. Paul begins with our identity in Christ as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. That's who we are. That's who we are right now, today. That's who we are, not because of what we've done, but that's who we are because of what God has done for us. God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. Which I hope you appreciate that. The creator of the universe knows your name and has written your name on his hand and he loves you. And not only are you known by God, but you are holy to God. You've been set aside by God for a special purpose. Not because we live a perfect life, but because you're united to Christ in faith. As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. That's who we are. And then based on who we are, Paul tells us what we should be doing. Biblical scholars call this the move from indicative to imperative. Paul does it all of the time in his letters. He begins with who we are in Christ and then he tells us how we should behave. He says, put on compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another. Morrison's first rule of biblical interpretation, if the Bible says do, it's because some of us don't. And if the Bible says don't, it's because some of us do. Kindness, compassion, humility, meekness, and patience don't come to some of us naturally. Bearing with one another is even harder. But Paul doesn't stop there. Paul says, if one of you has a complaint against another any of you have complaints against anybody 
Anybody offend you? Speak unkindly to you? Institute a policy you don't like? Sing the wrong song? If any one of you has a complaint against another, forgive each other as the Lord has forgiven you. The COVID crisis has threatened our health and our finances. It has isolated us one from another. It has been hard. But for me, the hardest part of the COVID crisis has been how it made people impatient and snappish with each other. When we're frustrated and when we don't get our own way, our old nature, our fleshly nature gets angry and wants to strike out. That's how the world operates. That's how the old man operates. That's how the flesh operates. But as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, we're called to a different way, to a higher way, and to a better way. Paul says... Above all these things put on love which binds everything together in perfect harmony. The COVID crisis has tested our love and it's put a strain on our harmony as a nation for sure. But also as the church. Satan didn't manage to kill any of us at HVPC with the COVID virus. But he did use it to sow seeds of dissension and division in this congregation. When we fail to trust God to be our protection, when we fail to see Jesus as our good shepherd, then we think we have to protect ourselves. We have to defend our own interests because no one's going to defend me. We have to protect our pride and our dignity and our rights. And when that happens, we are no longer behaving as Christians. We're living like the world. And only evil can come out of that. It's counterintuitive. It's contrary to fallen human nature But love actually does overcome hatred. Meekness actually does win out over aggression. Forgiveness really does defeat bitterness. In some strange way, when we stop fighting to win, we actually win. Well, Christ wins. Which is sweet. Paul describes what we feel when we follow the way of Christ. He writes it this way. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart and be thankful. Instead of anger and bitterness that comes from fighting for our rights, we have peace and thankfulness. Which is a pretty nice place to be. The COVID crisis has been a trial for all of us. It has been hard. I hate it. But for many of us, it has also been a time of peace and thankfulness. 
So can I tell you what I've been really thankful for in this past year? I probably haven't said it enough. What I'm most thankful for is the staff and the volunteers of this church who have kept the ministries of the church operating in spite of all of the challenges, in spite of being stretched thin, and in spite of risks to their own health and life. I'm really grateful for the members of this church who kept up their financial support, who attended services when they were able, who functioned as a church even though we were scattered. There are a whole bunch of you, and you know who you are, there are a whole bunch of you who really stepped up and did a great job during the COVID crisis. You were faithful, you were brave, you were hardworking, you were prudent, you were self-sacrificing. You showed up, you delivered, and you made ministry happen. And for that, I am grateful. We serve a great God, and I'm happy to serve Him with you. May the Lord bless you and keep you always. Amen. Let us pray. Eternal Father, you are our refuge and our fortress. We run to you in times of trouble. We thank you for gathering us on this Sabbath day, for gathering us in this sanctuary, for gathering us online. Bind our hearts together as brothers and sisters in Christ. Let unity overcome separation. Let love conquer hatred. We ask that you would lift this plague from your people. We ask that you would spare lives and livelihoods of those you love. We ask that you would gather your people again in a joyful reunion. We ask for your special care for those of our number who are not able to be here this morning. For those who are sick, we pray that you would heal them and make them strong. For those who are weak and discouraged, we pray that you would give them hearts that are resilient. For those who are at risk, Lord God, we pray that you would protect them. For each one of your flock, we pray, Lord, that this separation would not keep us apart. Lord, we pray for the many staff and volunteers who keep the wheels humming here at HVPC. We pray for Naomi Trask and Susan Kaler. We pray for Beth Ann Clark and Jenny Girardi. For Jay Seragian and John Haynes. For Stephen Clark and Bernie McGorry. For Joan Clover and Bob Schreiner. For Rich Good and Elizabeth Rosardo. For our many musicians and choristers who lead us in music. For our many readers who lead us with words from God and words to God. We pray you would encourage and strengthen each of these worker bees. Give them joy in their service. Bring alongside them others willing to work in the vineyard of the Lord. Lord God, you have seen fit to afflict us 
with a plague. We ask that in this time of trial that we would learn to trust you more. We ask for relief from the trouble of this time. Bring us out of this pandemic stronger than ever. Let us be active, alert in the work of the kingdom. These things we pray in the name of Jesus who taught us all to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. God, how strong and true, eternal and yet ever new, uncomprehended and unbought, beyond all knowledge and all thought. O love of God, how deep and great, far deeper than Man's deepest hate, self-fed, self-kindled like the light, eternal, changeless,
yourself today The strong name of the Trinity By invocation of the same The three in one, the one in three By whom all nature has creation Eternal Father, Spirit, Word Praise to the God of my salvation, salvation is of Christ the Lord. Praise to the God of my salvation, salvation is of Christ the Lord.